Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to part one of our Christmas special. As Christmas is a time of abundance, warming yourself by the fire and spinning a good yarn or three, here at Macabre London, we're doing the same. Instead of this year giving you just one Christmas episode, you'll be receiving two, and they'll be jam-packed with London tales. So sit back, grab a glass of something warming, and turn the lights off. We're about to delve into a whole cornucopia of Macabre mini-mysteries. London today is a bustling metropolis, an exciting place to visit, and a somewhat safe place to call home. An eclectic mix of people from all over the world live in London, and the crime rate is dropping year on year. In some parts of this vibrant capital, the crime rate is lower than that of much smaller cities in other parts of the UK. However, things haven't always been so safe. Stories and tales of old have echoed around the streets and grown to become that of legend, particularly those of a gruesome nature. Today we'll be exploring one of these stories and discovering about London's often bloody past. My name is Nikki Drees and this is Macabre London. Quite often, when I'm researching episodes from Macabre London, I uncover compelling and fantastical tales, but alas, they're too short for a full-length episode. However, as the pile grows, the tales are now enough to make a few episodes from, and so in the spirit of Christmas, here is my gift to you, an amalgamation of all of those short tales. But how exactly do we begin? 
only with one of the strangest unsolved mysteries London has ever encountered. Tale 1. Eight men in a coffin and their pet walrus. No, not the next Adam Sandler film, as the title may suggest. This mystery is fairly new, and just like Sandler, funny weird, not funny ha-ha. Our tale starts like a lot of good London yarns, with someone digging something up. As part of the work that was needed to accommodate the larger Eurostar train in the magical wizarding world of King's Cross St Pancras Station, excavations began and uncovered some interesting discoveries. St Pancras Church had been part of the overcrowding burial problem that London had faced after the major cholera outbreaks of the 18th and 19th century, and as a result the earth was tightly packed with bodies, which was to be expected, but on digging and carefully removing the thousands of skeletons, one set of bones didn't seem to match the jumble of fibias and tibias. In fact, the bones of one particular skeleton didn't seem to match any part of a human at all. Inside one coffin, archaeologists found the remains of eight bodies all jumbled together. A set of bones were removed from the yard and sent for analysis at the Museum of London, upon where they were pieced together to reveal the skeleton of a Pacific walrus. But what was a walrus doing buried in a churchyard along with eight other people? Thinking the nearby Zoological Society of London may have something to do with it, the archaeologists rooted through their archives and found nothing that would suggest their involvement. They did find reference to Prince Albert riding a giant tortoise, but that link didn't seem to go anywhere, and the two walrus that London Zoo held in their collection during that period were accounted for elsewhere and not in the churchyard. There are a few reasonable explanations of how the blubbery beast may have ended up a long way from home resting alongside his human companions in one of the largest churchyards in London. Theory number one is that during the Victorian times, ivory was a booming business and many parts of elephants, narwhals and walrus would find themselves being made into ornaments, accents on furniture, piano keys or hair combs. The ivory would usually be transported in its raw form, having already been extracted from the animal, so the thought of a walrus being imported with the intent of just extracting the ivory seems like a long and expensive way of going about it. Theory number two explores the location of the churchyard and its neighbours at the time. A surgeon's college was located near the churchyard and was responsible for many of the cadavers that ended up there, some of which would have been snatched by the resurrectionists that stole corpses for money. But in that theory, there is the mention of people, but not a walrus, so perhaps the surgeon's college was short on bodies that week and opted for another beast to practice on. But the question begs, how did they get hold of a walrus? Theory number three looks towards gentlemen's societies and how often clubs would have a club mascot. Perhaps there was a tragic accident that took down eight people and their friendly walrus. The speculations only go that far, and the walrus and the eight men is still a mystery that hasn't been solved. Tale 2. The Curse of the London Stone. A historical part of London rests right in its very heart. Cannon Street, you'll be able to find the London Stone, an ancient piece of limestone that has a lot to answer for. The stone has been removed from its resting place and returned a few times throughout its life, and every time it has been taken away, it seemingly caused chaos to erupt in the capital. The stone has sat behind an iron grill at the bottom of a 1960s office building, being ignored by the area's thousands of inward commuters into Cannon Street Station and the Financial District every day, off and on, for the last 54 years. Before that, the stone has rested in a museum, 
a church, and then returned to its rightful resting place at 111 Cannon Street. The stone has been depleted over the years, and seemingly quite dramatically in size, in the 1700s for unknown reasons, as it's recorded to have halved in size at that time. The stone is now only the size of a large dog, reduced from its expected size of a large bear from its original incarnation. The stone is mysterious in its origin, as no one knows where it came from or what it was ever used for. As such, an ancient artefact, most of the history of its origin has been lost, but its legacy has been written about in records dating back to the 11th century, where it makes its first appearance in recorded history regarded already as the London Stone, meaning it was already viewed as something of note to be recorded. Shakespeare referenced the stone in Henry VI, where one of the rebels sits upon it and claims London for himself, and the apparent myth of the might of the stone seemed to come about in the 19th century. Some say druids even sacrifice people upon it, but none of which has ever been confirmed. The stone has been weathered over the years and shows the scars that London has afflicted upon it, firstly being pitted and worn away from those that have taken pieces of it. Hold up! What was that? Boring! No flavour! That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. It's also charred and blackened from the soot of the coal which many Victorians used to heat their homes. But for its rough and rugged appearance, it's also weathered and survived some of the more disastrous events to have affected the city. But not without showing some scars to tell the tale. It survived the Great Fire of London, which started just a few streets over, destroying the majority of that area of the city. It's been used as a marker of trade in the city, and even bizarrely used by spectacle makers to smash upon it glasses that were not made to the best of their ability. The stone also survived the bombs of World War II, and managed to not be buried amongst the rubble and forgotten about. The myth of the stone is that if it's removed from London, then the capital will face terrible luck. The stone is apparently set upon several ley lines, which have links to several ancient sites, giving the stone some inexplicable energy, which links the sites together. For those of you that aren't well versed in ley lines, 
They are often cited as being scientifically proven to hold powerful mystical energies, which if disturbed can cause real problems. Glastonbury Tor, Stonehenge and other medieval and even prehistoric sites are said to hold such energies, which is why they were built in their respective locations. However, the science to back up the theory around ley lines is somewhat lacking, and it's instead classed as pseudoscience, as there is no tangible evidence to present on the mystery of why certain landmarks are placed in the locations they have been. With the stone having been moved a few times, and the supposed energy of the ley lines upset, the stone has seemingly always managed to cause some kind of chaos. In 1742, the stone was moved as it had become a traffic hazard at its location. That same year, the longest serving Prime Minister, Robert Walpole, resigned after 20 years in his position, which threw the government into turmoil. In 1798, the stone was moved again, and the Prime Minister, William Pitt the Younger, introduced income tax for the first time in order to pay for the impending Napoleonic War. This saw many people taxed on wages, and London was hit very hard in some of its poorest areas, a theme which still continues throughout the Conservative Party right up until the present day. In 1820, the stone was moved to its spot in St Swithin's Church, where it would sit for more than a hundred years, its move seemingly causing the death of the reigning monarch at the time, King George III. Or perhaps that was his dementia. In 1940, the church which housed the stone was bombed during the Blitz of World War II, and even though the church itself was flattened, the wall containing the stone survived and remained as a stark reminder of the war for the next 20 years. The remainder of the church and its walls were demolished in 1962, and an attractive 60s office block was erected in its place. The stone was moved and unceremoniously dumped within a grate facing onto the street. That same year, London encountered the worst smog since the Victorian era, with two smog formations reducing the quality of air to such a poor standard that many people died as a result. The stone sat unmoved for the next 54 years, underneath the window of a WH Smith stationery shop and hidden away from customers behind a magazine rack. In 2016, the outdated 60s office building was scheduled for modernisation, so the stone was removed and sat on display at the Museum of London. In 2016, the referendum happened and the UK voted to leave the EU, and ever since, the government has been in chaos. In October 2018, the stone was returned to the now modernised 111 Cannon Street, and since then, not much has happened to improve the situation of the government. If anything, even more chaos has ensued. We can only hope that the stone has some energy left in it to heal the rifts caused in its absence, but what its origins are and how it came to rest in the capital will remain uncertain. Tale 3 The Black Cat of Sydenham When you think of London suburbs, a few things spring to mind. Overpriced terrace houses, lack of a night tube and a disproportionate amount of betting shops, but not free-range panthers. In Sydenham, in south-east London, a six-foot-long black cat was said to have roamed around and even mauled a few residents. A suspected release pet, the feline was first spotted by a group of children who claimed to have seen it slinking across a field. The story was dismissed by their parents as a tall tale, but before long the cat was back on the attack. In 2005, a man woke up to hear the sounds of a distressed cat in his back garden. The man had a pet cat of his own and was fearful that his own cat may have been being mauled by a fox. 
He entered his garden to retrieve his cat, only to be knocked over, scratched and bitten by a large black cat, leaving him with scratch marks to his face and three injured fingers. The man called police to report his story, and when attending the scene, an officer said he'd seen the cat further down the road before it disappeared into a nearby woodland. There have been further sightings of the cat across the whole of southeast London, but mainly concentrated to Dulwich Woods, where a jogger was said to have been chased by a large black feline in 2015, and subsequently a flurry of other sightings in Dulwich Woods also sprung up of a similar creature. Others have said they've seen the cat walking along the street in the area late at night, and some people have even sadly attributed deaths of their own cats to the beast. As of 2015, the sightings have petered out, and no new reports have been noted, so perhaps the beast has died, or maybe moved on. Zoologists have waded in on big cat sightings all over the UK, and it stands to reason that after the 1976 Dangerous Wild Animals Act was brought in, it did mean a lot of animals were abandoned instead of being rightfully handed over to professionals who could care correctly for them. However, the likelihood of there being two released big cat species that were similar or enough to breed in the same area would have been fairly unlikely, but not impossible. But the average lifespan of a panther, or to give it its proper name, a black jaguar, is just 15 years old. So given that the next round of offspring would be interbred, and then so on and so on, it's highly likely that in this case, the animal in question is more than likely a black fox or a very large domestic house cat, and not a large big cat. But if you ever head into the woods at Dulwich, you should probably take some cat treats, just in case. Thank you for joining me for that slightly different episode of Macabre London. Join me next time for part two of our Christmas stocking special, which will be out on Christmas Day. Please remember to like and comment on this video if you enjoyed it, and subscribe so you never miss a video. It also helps if you hit that little bell icon on the side, because sometimes YouTube likes to not tell you when I've uploaded a video. Please remember to subscribe to the show on your podcast app so you never miss an episode, and please leave a review as it really helps us to get noticed and for more people to find the show. If you can't wait for the next episode to land, please make sure that you check out my latest video on YouTube, where I try out seven weird Victorian Christmas traditions, which includes setting fire to fruit, making horrifying Christmas cards, and getting my fingers stuck together trying to make a Christmas tree out of feathers. If you search for Macabre London on YouTube, then you'll find us, and also the link to my channel will be in the show notes below. As usual, if you want to stay up to date with me in between episodes, then please follow me on my social media. Instagram is my favourite and where I upload the most, so just search for Macabre London Podcast on Instagram and you'll find us there. And make sure that you drop me a comment if you do, so I know that you're there. Also, if you'd like to support me in making Macabre London and to keep the show around, then please consider donating on Patreon by clicking the link in the show notes with a one-off donation or a monthly pledge. Payments start at less than a cup of coffee, and currently I make the show for free with no profit whatsoever. So if you could pledge even just $1 a month, or £1 a month, it would really help to keep the show around for 2019, and you also get some Macabre London rewards as well. I know it's not always possible to pledge, so if you could spread the word about the show with your friends, then that's also just as helpful and it helps our little macabre family to grow that little bit bigger. I hope you enjoyed this different episode, and I'll see you next time for part two when we find out what murder, mayhem and malevolence is stuffed inside our merry macabre stocking. Thank you so much for joining me for another macabre tale from London's past. I've been Nikki Druce, and I'll see you next time.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.